0: American football podcast here on the X one hundred and six. I'm Kramer Santone today, going over the what has happened recently in the Alliance of American Football and some of the games that have happened and some headlines that did take place uh, on Tuesday with the how the how the actual company, the brand, the the football was almost about ready to a fold. But we'll go into the games at first. Starting off with the Birmingham Iron at home against the Salt Lake Stallions. This game uh, was a very defensive-heavy game. Birmingham didn't score until the second half, but Salt Lake uh, did have nine points in the second quarter. That's the only nine points they did have, as a, a lone touchdown by the Birmingham Iron by Trent Richardson uh, got them in the score as they won twelve to nine. Some of the stats that happened in that game and uh, the leading uh, game leaders uh, for passing: uh, Luis Perez uh, for the Iron had a one hundred and eighty-four yards. Joe Bonio for a rush to 70 yards for Salt Lake. Trent had 50 yards receiving. He was the the leading on that. And Carter Schultz of Salt Lake had two sacks along with six six tackles uh, as he is one of the bright spots for the Salt Lake defense. He's actually one of the bright spots in defense-wise for the entire AAF. And It wouldn't be surprising if he at some point makes a practice squad for a team in the NFL and possibly play a few snaps uh, as this is one of the developmental leagues and with Salt Lake uh, all getting a deal with uh, with Green Bay Packers as a development partner affiliate. Uh, you might see Schultz at some point uh, for, you say, the Green Bay Packers, and he can honestly have a, a few times get some reps that way in the NFL as that's this what this league's about. It's not trying to compete with the NFL, which is the smart decision for this team, uh, for this uh, for this company, you should say. As uh, going also uh, other stats in this game with Trent Richardson uh, had a Trent Richardson type of performance, had a two point two yards uh, rushing on nineteen as nineteen attempts, forty one yards, two point two yards uh, average with one touchdown. Uh, he gets the workload. This is what he's done his entire career in in at Alabama and also for the the Colts, uh, and also for the Browns as he was drafted there. And also, it's very surprising seeing him get to some of that re- receiving uh, receiving corks. I mean, just Lewis press can do like a little drop back, uh, do a little the to, out to the right in the in the flats uh, and give it to Trimisterson. Perfect for that. Other receivers on the Iron uh, Quentin Patton at 44 yards receiving uh Ladamian Washington at 27 yards, Wesley Saunders 21, Devonzo Felton 16, Tobias Palmer 10. Going on the defense side, uh Benquez Brown had six total ta- tackles, one uh, one sack as well. All tackles were solo. So, uh, as this defense is a uh, kind of like the their version of the Steel Curtain, but it's the Iron Curtain. It kind of does a little play on their name. It's kind of uh, kind of catchy as That's who uh, the iron are going over to salt lake side, uh, Austin Allen, uh, their quarterback had only 114 passing yards. This is, was a a complete defense from both sides. Joel Bonio uh, had 70, once again, uh, leading uh, the entire and the entire uh, rushing attack for both sides. Brandon Oliver had 59 yards for salt lake. This is a, a a league that saw a lot of running over the past uh, week two. So it's a, not much of the throwing game, unless we get to a little bit later on with uh, the San Antonio and Orlando, as they had a, f- a very good game that uh, was very interesting to watch. Going with the receiving wise, uh, the leading receiver for Salt Lake was A Pierre L, as uh, he had twenty eight receiving yards for Salt Lake. So once again, Birmingham defeated Salt Lake twelve. 12- to nine, moving things on to the next game that took place in the nightcap on Saturday was Arizona Hotshots going to Memphis Express as they got their first home game. And the Hot Hotshots, uh, they were down the entire time until the fourth quarter, where they put up 14 points as they won 20 to 18. In the first quarter, Memphis scored nine off of uh, field goals uh, and a touchdown. Uh, the third quarter, second quarter, excuse me, they had a th- Three uh, three points as long as that was a field goal a couple field goals for Arizona and also 14 points in the fourth quarter reason why they won 20 to 18 was a comeback uh the passing leaders was John Wolford for for the Arizona had 194 yards Zach Stacy was the very first running runner running back uh, in the AAF to eclipse that 100 yards he had 101 yards on the ground receiving leaders uh Josh Huff for for Arizona had 84 yards. Sacks, uh, Deshaun Downey had two tackles. Steven Johnson had six. Both those guys were for the hot shots. And for interceptions was Channing Stribling, as he was a Memphis Express. Going with stats-wise for Memphis, uh, Christian Hackenberg had had 102 throwing yards. Once again, Zach Stacey had 101 as long as with Christian Hackenberg had 39 on the on the ground as well, receiving four for Memphis was Reese Horn with 56. And he also had Alton uh, Pig Howard had 24 and Zach Stacy had eight. There's only two sacks on the day for Memphis with Anthony Johnson with one and Julius Wormsley with one as well. Interceptions were two on the day for Memphis with Jeremy Cutter and Channing Stribling. And total tackles, who led the led it for Memphis was Demarcus Gates with six. Channing Stilling had five. Along with that, interception Anthony Johnson had four. Zach Stacy did have that one hundred one yards, uh, also with one touchdown on the ground as well. He had nineteen attempts on one hundred one, so he had averaged about five point three yards on the ground. One of the bright spots for Memphis is Stacy, as once again he was the first ever to eclipse that one hundred yards on the ground turning things over to the hot shots uh, with John Walford uh, had 194 yards uh, Tim Cook 73 yards on the run the running back Josh Huff uh, led the receiving with 84 Rashard Ross last week had over 100 yards receiving only had 67 uh, on the on the day for for the hot shots as uh, pretty sure Rashard Ross also had a touchdown as well he only had four receptions on 67 yards as he averaged 16.8 yards uh, through Per reception, uh, Josh though, had only two receptions for 84, averaging 42 yards uh, a reception, which is uh, very good. With that, a running attack for for the Hot Shots. They had over 200 yards on the ground. 73 by Tim Cook, uh, Justin Stockton, 54. Jarrell Presley, 57. John Wolford had 25 on the ground, so over 200 yards rushing. As the uh, Hot Shots once again came back and won. 22 18 now moving games on to Saturday starting things off with Orlando at San Antonio, which was probably the best game of the week. Final score of that was 37 to 29 Orlando, but it was a 17 point uh, game that Orlando scored 17 points in the fourth quarter in order to win against San Antonio. San Antonio started off get 12 points uh, in the first zero with Orlando Orlando put up 17, and only San Antonio put up 6. So it was a 17-18 to 18 game going into halftime. San Antonio scored 11, and Orlando scored, scored 3 in the third quarter. Then Orlando once again scored 17 points in the in the final and fourth quarter to win 37-29. to 29. It was a lot of good defense in this game and a lot of good offense. Passing-wise, uh, Garrett Gilbert, 393 yards through the air, he led passing rushing was Kenneth Farrow. The second had 74 yards on the ground receiving Charles Johnson, almost to that 200 yards. So with 192 receiving sacks wise, Anthony Martin jr. Had one tackles, uh, Mark Myers jr. Had six. And those two guys were both on Orlando and also another interception wise Keith uh, Rasar had one. He was also on Orlando, so only one person for, for the c- commanders uh, was on the game leader's stats, and that was Kenneth Farrer II. As uh, we'll go with Sticks with San Antonio, Logan Woodside had 223 yards uh, through the air. Marquise Williams came in before halftime as he just had one, uh, one drive. Was that he came in, had 32 yards uh, on the ground running through, uh, through three yards passing. It seemed like if they would have kept in Woodside the entire game, uh, San Antonio probably would have won this entire entire game. But Orlando uh, got the got the rhythm going, scoring seventeen the second and seventeen in the fourth. And it just seemed like the 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 energy for San Antonio went out. when Woodside went out, and put Williams in, And when that little transition after halftime, it just didn't seem like it matched after that first quarter. Very the second the first half, I should say. The best thing about this was uh, there was uh, over 300,000 fans, uh, excuse me, not 300,000, 30,000 fans in attendance at the Alamo Dome. So that's one of the games that uh, it seemed like around the lower bowl part, uh, there was a lot of fans there and it seemed like a a very fun atmosphere to be at as it's kind of, kind of cool and interesting to see how many fans come out for this one. This is only the second week of this league. And it wasn't really that, uh, that advertised before the season even started Uh, um, g- also going with the other team stats, uh, Kenneth Farrow had 74 yards. Uh, Marquise Williams had 32 yards on the ground. Receiving was DeMarcus Ayers, had 80 yards for San Antonio. Mikhail McKay at 36. Aaron Green with 35 uh, through the air. There was three sacks uh, on the team. Austin Larkin had one. Jerome Elliott had one, and Winston Craig also had one. Receiving-wise, was it uh, wasn't a very good wasn't a very good day for San Antonio, but a lot of people got in the action. Like Demarcus Marcus Ewers, McKay, Aaron Green, Alonzo Moore, Kenneth Faro, Greg Ward, Evan Rodriguez, and Josh Stewart. They all got their reception or one. Demarcus Ayers ended up with five receptions though, on eighty yards. Did average sixteen yards a catch. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, the tight ends, got the got the lone touchdown uh, through the through the air for San Antonio. With it uh, he was targeted twice on six yards. Uh, That was that. Moving things over to Orlando, which their defense stepped up huge. We'll talk more about Garrett Gilbert and Charles Johnson here shortly. But uh, running-wise, Ernest Johnson had 57 yards on the ground for Orlando. Garrett Gilbert also had 5 yards on the ground as well. Same with Kevin Anderson at 4. Jaleel Marshall at 84 yards receiving, and Chris Thompson had 74. Orlando, it seemed like it was a a lot of players got in the in the game for the receiving wise but if you weren't Charles Johnson, Julian Marshall or Chris Thompson you really weren't uh, weren't called upon cuz these guys had over 70 yards uh, with Charles Johnson had 192 yards through the through the air. Johnson also had a touchdown and so did Marshall for a passing touchdown that Gilbert uh, Gilbert did throw. So once again the Orlando Apollos defeated the San Antonio Commanders 37-29. to Now with the fourth and final game of the week was down to Atlanta at San Diego. This was another defense game, but then again, this defense could have been stopped because of the rain in San Diego. It started raining around maybe this, three minutes into the second quarter. By then, it was a 9-0 Atlanta lead. San Diego scored six points in the second to bring the game back to 9-6 to going into halftime. Then... the San Diego but did tie the game up off of a field goal to make it nine99 in the in the fourth quarter Atlanta only scored three points. San Diego had 15 from two touchdowns ran by Jaquan Gardner as we'll get more into him. but game leaders Matt Sims actually had a better game than he did uh, than he did uh, last week against Orlando had 160 yards through the air. Rushing was Jaquan Gardner with now the most rushing yards in a game by one single player with 104. He did eclipse Zach Stacy's 101 the night prior. Receiving was Kieran Wadley with 70 yards, and he played for Atlanta. Sacks with 1.5, so one and a half sacks, was Shikaro Soto for San Diego tackles. Uh, Tyson Graham Jr. had eight for Atlanta, and interceptions-wise was Ryan Mueller who got his second interception of the day of the season, but had one total in the game against Atlanta. Philip Nelson got the start for San Diego as Bertavici did not play at all, so I'm guessing it's going to be a... One week is going to be this quarterback, the next week's going to be this one, and so Bertavici should be back. Uh, he's the quarterback that got his helmet knocked off by San Antonio in the first game of the season, but Philip Nelson had 142 yards throwing, once again, Jawan Garner had 104 yards on the ground with two touchdowns. Terrell Watson had 49 yards on the ground. The other, the backup running back receiving. Nelson Spruce had 58. Brian Brown had, uh, Brian Brown had 27. Cameron Kelly, 17 sacks. Uh, Glenn Robinson had one. Shakira Soto had one and a half sacks. Uh, Dem- Dematre Moore had a half a sack. So he was the one that came in and uh, helped Soto with that. Interceptions, uh, Ryan Muller had one as uh other uh, receiving stats uh as well it wasn't much going through the air from nelson he did have a no look behind the back pass that actually gained a yard which was very surprising it was a nice little patrick mahomes-esque uh throw except except for having it being sidearm or not looking well he wasn't looking but it's behind his back uh it was a very another highlight-worthy San Diego. Uh, if you're going to see a quarterback for San Diego, he's going to be on a highlight reel, either with the behind-the-back pass or getting his helmet taken clear off and uh, being sacked. Moving things over to Atlanta, Matt Sims also had 160 yards uh, throwing. Uh, Lawrence Pittman, the running back, had 42. Terran Fulster of 20 yards. Akiram Wadley was 12 yards on the ground. Akram Wadley had 70 yards uh, receiving is it the the rain killed the, the the throwing stats for both quarterbacks the entire game but on the ground it was a uh, decently well as that's what we've seen in the past and uh, three of that out of the four games it was a running attack except for the San Antonio and Orlando game but Atlanta lost 12 to 24 once again to San Diego Fleet as now we're going to preview the upcoming games of week 3 First Saturday the first game Arizona at Salt Lake and the next game that night is Memphis at Orlando, going in for Sunday. It's Birmingham at Atlanta, then San Antonio at San Diego for the nightcap. If I were to pick uh, throughout this week uh, for Week Three, I, I I'll go with Arizona this coming uh, game against Salt Lake. Salt Lake has a decently strong signed offense, a uh, defense, and Arizona's offense. I feel like it's going to be way too much to match the offense. Uh, Salt Lake's trying to match that, so Arizona for me for that game. Uh, for Memphis-Orlando, Memphis hasn't looked like a very well-rounded team. Their defense uh, is lacking a little bit, but if their offense keeps going, if Zach Stacey gets the ball probably 20 times and gets over 100 yards, it's going to be a give Orlando a run for their money. But uh, Hackenberg needs to be able to uh, throw the ball a bit more, uh, get over that 150 mark as he hasn't eclipsed that yet. So I'm going to go with Orlando on it because uh, uh, Garrett Gilbert is just so far the best quarterback in the league. For Birmingham and Atlanta, I'm going with Birmingham. I, I have declared myself as an Iron fan, so anytime the Iron are playing, I will totally take on the take the Iron. And also, Atlanta hasn't looked that good. It was Sims still as the quarterback. Uh, he's not a very good quarterback. Uh, his I know his father was excelled in the NFL, and now he's a a commentator. Uh, but I'm going with the Iron. San Antonio and San Diego might be a, a probably the best game of the entire week. Uh, San Diego has very good defense. San Antonio just came off of a loss against Orlando, which they probably should have won. But with it being in San Diego, I'm going to, have to pick San Diego over San Antonio this week. Now for Week 2 players that uh, were players of the week on the offensive side. Uh, player of the week was uh, Garrett Gilbert uh, for Orlando. Had 393 yards, uh, throwing two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Had a passer rating of 134.5. So Garrett Gilbert was one of them on the defensive side, and you give it to Orlando with uh, as well with Keith Rasar had a pick six, three defense, three passes uh, d- defense, uh, two tackles with the win against San Antonio. So a couple of guys for Orlando getting players of the week, and for the special teams player of the week has to go to the Irons, Jamar Summers had three tackles and one forced fumble, as those are your players of the week for the AAF some news headlines to go around is the AAF had some payroll. Not I would say it's their payroll. Didn't almost get all the way there. They needed $250 million in order for the Alliance of American football to stay afloat. And that actually did happen to uh, Tom. Uh, Duden, if he is the Miami hurricanes uh, owner, uh, my not Miami hurricanes, not, not that, that excuse me, The Carolina Hurricanes, not many people know who the Carolina Hurricanes are. They're an NHL team that's based in Carolina, as he is the owner of that. And he's now the chairman of the AAF as he donated $250 million. Probably a very good investment because the way the ratings are right now, it's uh, it's very good, but uh, they're still going to need more. Like a TV deal might still help, even though they're still on the CBS network, which is very lucrative and what they can do with that. Plus, also as they partnered with the NFL for the NFL Network, they can still add the fact that hey, we're with this, where we have a very good streaming provider with that, and also you can stream the games online on their actual website. So, so a new new chairman with uh, Tom Duden coming in, giving forking over two hundred fifty million dollars, as he he's pretty much the probably the one of the most I'm trying to think what the word to say for this uh, most like wealthiest men in the sports industry. Cause if if you already own a hockey team, that's he's trying to turn around and actually get them better, which surprisingly they actually are getting better, even though they are the notoriously bad team. But if he's doing this now as chairman for the AAF, uh, the sky's the limit for him and see what can happen. Hopefully the AAF still sticks around. And the, the last and final thing I want to go over is, the conference standings right now, as let's go to Western Conference. Arizona Hotshots. The uh, Western Conference does consist of the Arizona Hotshots, San Antonio Commanders, San Diego Fleet, and the Salt Lake Stallions. Arizona is leading it as they are two and o, tied for second and third is San Antonio Commanders and San Diego Fleet at one and one. The Salt Lake Stallions are at the bottom at o and two. In the Eastern Conference, it is tied at first and second with the Orlando Apollos and Birmingham Iron at two and o the Memphis express and Atlanta legends are tied for third and fourth as they are. zero and two. So it's a little bit of a, a little bit of, you can see on the Western side, a team that's probably the best out of there, which is either Arizona hotshots or San Antonio commanders, even San Diego fleet. They have a good defense. Salt Lake stallions, just need an offense to come around. Uh, I know they have running back Matt Asiata, who was a, was running back for the Minnesota Vikings. So, Things can turn around that way, but Orlando Apollos and Birmingham Iron, which Iron has the Iron Curtain defense. I'm ready to see that game happen in week four, the Orlando Apollos versus Birmingham Iron week four. Definitely a game I'm going to be watching. But that will do it here for this new edition, second week action of AAF. Uh, Of course, there's going to be another one next week by myself. But uh, let me know who you guys are going to pick, who's your team in the AAF, and tweet at us uh, and listen to their content here on X106 Sports. Thank you.